Our pastors are beginning a uh, new sermon series today entitled Our Church. Uh, Notice not my church, not your church, but our church. This is something we share in together. So I have today the honor of bringing the first message in this series, and I want to present a message today on Father God's plans for the church, capital T, capital H, capital E, for the church. Let's pray. Father God, we invite Holy Spirit today to be our teacher. We invite Holy Spirit, Lord God, to speak to us and make the connections that we need to leave here with. We ask Holy Spirit that you would bless us in this manner and that I would not interfere with what you would do. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord's church, you know, we look at a building and we have to remember this isn't it. It's just a building. God forbid we think the building is the church, which is how most people think. Totally wrong. The church is spiritual and it's invisible. You can't see it. Uh, But there is a local expression of these believers that come together. You and I are the church, the believers. And there's a local expression where we live when the believers come together that we can see. Not the building, but us. We are the church. We are the local home church. So it's important that we realize the Lord's church is not an organization. Gosh, if it is, don't join it. Uh, It's a living spiritual organism. And it's something our rational minds uh, cannot comprehend without Holy Spirit bringing revelation to us to understand that. So it takes spiritual eyes of faith to see the Lord's church. It takes spiritual eyes of faith to look at you and just don't see people here, but see the redeemed body of Christ in front of me that I'm part of. I don't see it with the natural eye. If I do, I'm missing it really by a mile. As they say, you can't see the forest through the trees. You're missing the beauty of it by only seeing the people. So what is the church theologically? Uh, you have a, if you have these little sheets here, they're helpful for some people. Uh, there's a fill in the blank there, number one. Uh, in the New Testament Greek, we have the word ekklesia, and it means, which means the called out ones. Uh, it also means, it can, has a couple definitions, but it also means those who are called out to assemble together as a body of people. And that's what we do when we come here. We're assembling as a body of people, but we're called out of the world. We're not to be like the world around us, not like the evil, wicked, perverse generation, as it says in uh, Philippians that we live in. We're called to live a different from that. And your second fill in the blank here is, is a continuation of this, that we as believers are called out of this world system to assemble together as the redeemed ones and worship the Lord as a community of believers. And speaking of uh, worship, I was just telling uh, Pastor James, very impressed with the selection of songs this morning, really spoke to my heart, uh, the way they conducted our, 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 our musical worship and singing together. I was just blessed. So I hope you were too. I, th- I, thought, they, I thought they hit a home run. Not that they don't get a hit every time. I'm not saying they strike out. No, they, they really did a wonderful job today. Really wonderful. Yeah, so we're the redeemed ones. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. We're now belonging to Him. We're His property. And we worship the Lord together as a community of believers. As we're reading this and looking at this, I want to read to you the church's tenets of faith. I've put it on the back of your handout here because I thought it was worth uh, remembering. Um, Attendance of faith means the basic beliefs of a church. Before you attend a church or a, become a member of a church, you should know what they believe. You may not agree with it. Not that we all have to be scholars, but 
does this witness to your heart? So our tenets of faith are no secret. They're online. Those who come to membership class, they get a copy of it. You should read it carefully. Anyway, part of the tenets of faith are um, what is the church? So this, this you're reading on here, uh, I don't know if Pastor Walt wrote this personally or he tweaked it from somewhere else. One of the two I don't remember. Uh, but it says the church is the body of Christ, the habitation of God. Yeah, God lives here. Not in the building, but when we come in, we bring him. Uh, through the Spirit, with divine appointments for the fulfillment of her great commission. Wow, we're all involved in divine appointments from God to be used of him. That's heavy stuff. Each believer born of the Spirit is an integral part of our general assembly and, we, and the church of the firstborn. Another name of the Lord's church, the church of the firstborn, of which our names are written in heaven. Tells us that in the book of uh, Revelation, we have a new name written down in glory. Isn't that amazing? We don't know what it is yet, but God has a new name for us. And we don't know what it is yet. Some claim they do. Okay, fine. But uh, you meet them every now and then. I, I know what God is. All right, fine. You have your new name. Really, it's revealed to us when we're in the presence of the Lord. You're not John, Ralph, or, or Bob anymore. You have a new name written down in glory. Pretty wild. And now we have a whole 10-week course on this in our Bible school. You can see this is a really big topic. I have less than 30 minutes, so can't do that. So this morning, uh, I want to read uh, a scripture. There's several we can turn to to look at this. But in this short time we have today, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, a very classic one from the Apostle Paul in verses 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners. That means we're not strangers to the covenant of God. We're not strangers to God anymore. Wow. So you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. Saints mean holy ones, not people with plates on their heads. They are holy ones. If you're a believer, you're a holy one. Fellow citizens with the saints, and you are God's household. Isn't it nice to be called God's household? I like that one. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We have a whole teaching just on that. In whom the whole building being fit together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are being built together into the dwelling of God in the Spirit. Fit together is an important word there uh, we'll look at in a minute. Um, we can see here from Paul's words that, uh, <clears throat> which are a revelation from heaven to the body of Christ, the Lord gave this to Paul for the church, that Jesus is the true head of the church, and Jesus has a plan for his church, you and me. So his church is to go to the ends of the earth in each generation to proclaim him. They may not accomplish that, but they're required to. I can't be responsible for what happened hundreds of years previous or 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 60. Uh, but... <laughs> I can say I am the Lord's church and I'm responsible in my generation as the part of the church to go to the ends of the earth to proclaim him. So the truth is we also personally bear fruit. When you got born again, you didn't go poof into heaven and we're gone. You have a life to live out. Why do you have a life to live out here on the earth? So you can live for yourself? No, so that you can bear fruit in the kingdom of God. Each one of us are required to bear fruit in our generation. This side of heaven, we would be fruit bearers for Jesus from his church. So I bear fruit, we bear fruit together. Fruit you bear may not be the fruit I bear, but we bear fruit. 
We're each a puzzle piece, as it said, fit together before. We're each a puzzle piece. And if you look at a puzzle, you throw all the pieces down, what's that? You have to go to the box to look at what it looks like. Only God knows what the picture looks like. He's the only one really who knows what, the, what is the real picture. Well, my job is how does my piece fit with another piece? We fit together. Uh, we need each other. I need you. I hope you need me. We need each other. So we're puzzle pieces that fit together, working together. It's a good way to view who we are. We are a community of believers. So what this is not, this is not, well, it's just Jesus and me. No, it's not. That is error. One of the strongest corrections you could ever use in the Word of God is the word, this is error. That's an error thinking. Many, many believers out there love Jesus, but just tolerate His church. It's a take it or leave it attitude. This is error. We cannot do this. You and me are related to the body of Christ. We are related to Jesus who is the head. Jesus' head just doesn't float around. It has a body attached to it. We are His body parts. We are the body of Christ, this side of heaven. And it's sad when so many people have that view of you can just take it or leave it. In um, Hebrews, I'm not, we're not going to turn there, Hebrews 10, Paul tells us, uh, not forsaking our assembling together, as is the habit of some. Hey, they had a problem in the first century with this. If Paul was writing that today, he might say, as is the habit of many. Many today. It's just Jesus and me. No, it's not. Now, yes, we don't make light of this. There are, have been horrible examples of the behavior of those who have called themselves the church, Jesus' church, over the years. Uh, many people have been hurt by very reckless, incompetent, proclaimed church leaders. Uh, the book of Jeremiah has some harsh words from God to the shepherds of Israel who have fattened themselves on the sheep of God. Uh, so if there are those of you who are be hearing this message today and have been hurt by churches, and we have met many, uh, I encourage you, don't make shipwreck of your faith. You have a twofold assignment. Number one, forgive them. And second, separate yourself from false churches and false shepherds. But the good news is the real church of the Lord Jesus Christ is out there. The real one's there. So remember, this is Jesus' church and that he and he alone builds it through Holy Spirit. Which brings us to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, which is on your, remember, your uh, scripture sheet to remember, but I only put part of the verse. Jesus says in five words in the middle of this verse, something that's so powerful, I will build my church. You know, just a side comment here, if you haven't had much experience in meditating on the Word of God, this is a great section to start. You could take each word and emphasize it, and it'll mean something to you. I will build my church. 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 Each one is a separate entity to meditate on of what Jesus is bringing us here. And God will bring your revelation. It's a really cool phrase in the New Testament, and it's Jesus' words. I like it. So I'm speaking here of the church Jesus builds not the church men would build. We don't want that. So your fill in the blank here is, and in Jesus, and in the church that Jesus builds, we don't bear fruit 
apart from our connection to his church. That's a real big statement. In the church Jesus builds, we don't bear fruit apart from our connection to his church. In New Testament theology, God doesn't send out lone rangers. And those of you who are too young and don't understand what in the world I just said, ask your grandparents. <laughs> they will tell you what the lone ranger is. God does not use lone rangers. I truly hope today those listening to this message will get a hold of this. The local church is so immensely important in the mind of Christ, and we need to treat it that way. It's a holy thing. Uh, I should never view myself apart from the local church. That is error. And a lot of people do view themselves that way. Do you know how people treat Jesus' church is how they treat Jesus? Big statement. How you treat Jesus' church is how you treat him. Those who judge the Lord's church are cursing themselves. Can't say that strong enough. And you know, not only unbelievers do this, believers do it as well. Probably because they were hurt. Well, I don't like these churches. They're all into money. They're all about themselves and all their plans. Don't curse the Lord's church. No, people aren't perfect. But the gift of God in them is. So we need to realize that if we curse the Lord's church, we curse ourselves. We need each other desperately. It's not just a, a you know, oh, we added somebody else to the pew. No, we need each other desperately. Hopefully people are here because God sent them here. Their spiritual connection has been made. They're not just hanging out. You're welcome to hang out, but hopefully they're here because there's a purpose for them to be here. A lot of times, uh, where do I go to church? Does it speak life to you? And I think very scripturally is the person pastoring there, do you believe there's a connection that they're, they're there to pastor your soul? I remember when Pastor Walt was alive, he is alive in the presence of the Lord, but in our midst, many, many people came to me over the years and they couldn't quite explain it. They said, I don't know, when Pastor Walt speaks, God talks to me. That's a spiritual connection. That meant that man is there to pastor your soul. That's one reason why you choose a church. It speaks life to me. It speaks to my soul. That's extremely important. Um, we need to realize that the Lord's church, because it's a supernatural endeavor, it's not a man-made work. God forbid it is. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of man-made works out there that call themselves churches. The real church is a supernatural work of God. And a supernatural work of God needs supernatural tools and supernatural abilities. So a pastor, elders, they are given to a local church to shepherd the spiritual flock of Jesus. They are under shepherds. Jesus is our shepherd. They're under shepherds to uh, shepherd the flock. Well, I don't own sheep, but if I owned a lot of sheep, it isn't just one guy standing there with a shepherd's crook looking at him. He has a lot of other under shepherds working with him because there's too many sheep. So uh, the local church has been given the gift of the pastor. Not the man or the woman themselves is the gift, okay? This is not the gift of Ralph. If it was, it'd be a horror story or a comedy, I don't know. But this is not the gift of Ralph. This is a supernatural gift inside the person that the Lord gives us, that we recognize, that we honor. We thank God for the people who do work the gift and allow the gift to operate. We respect them for that, but it's the gift we covet, not the person. 
And uh, that's very serious. So consider um, God uses elders here as a spiritual covering and protection for us. Do you realize that? They're here to keep us, first of all, from spiritual error. Um, very recently, we had uh, what immediately came to my mind when I, I had made this comment uh, on my paper. Very recently, we um, licensed uh, Diane Andershack as, as one of our pastors here. That sister in the Lord will protect you from spiritual error. That's part of her DNA, how she's made. That's a gift of God to us. Um, they help us grow in the grace that is in Christ. They shepherd our souls, which is a whole separate topic. Um, yes, we need a shepherd for our souls in the natural. We do. The local church becomes a shelter. Did you ever realize that? It becomes a shelter for the believer. It becomes a home. This should be home to us. There's no reason for any believer to be spiritually homeless. There should not be a reason for that. There is the local church, their home. Here in the Lord's church, we're taught as believers by Holy Spirit to grow in the grace that's in Christ. So I need to be taught spiritually if I'm expected to live spiritually. How do I do that? I need spiritual instruction. That's what they're here for. Um, and here in the Lord's church, we're given opportunities to do the works of ministry, to do the works of the gospel. We are supposed to be fruit bearers. It isn't supposed to be clergy do all the work and the laity lay. It's the, that is the opposite. It's the body of Christ, the laity, which I hate that word, do the works of ministry. We are just equipping servants to help them do the works of ministry. So in our own church, people here serve in the food pantry, clothing room, outreach ministries, men and women's ministries, children's ministries. It goes on and on and on. Why? They're all bearing fruit. So uh, our true calling here is not to warm the seats that you're sitting in, nice as they are, not to warm the pews, nice as they are. Uh, we're here to come together to serve the Lord in this local body of believer, all bunch of puzzle pieces being fit together as Pastor Walt used to say, to love the community outside the church to Christ. We're to be loving this community to Christ, or at least in the attempting of it. Um, actually, that's really the main purpose of my message today, is to have us understand this. Um, you're filling the blank number five there. God's plan works through the local church. Very important. He does not work out this age of grace that we live in outside of the relationship of the local church. Wow. I mean, there is a prophetic time clock of God, absolutely, over the ages. But in this age of grace that we live in, He does His work done through Jesus' church and the local expression of it that we're part of. And your last fill in the blank here, number six, the local church is the authority appointed by God here on earth. Real serious. The local church is the authority of God appointed by Him here on earth. This is God's government on earth. Pretty wild. This is God's government on earth. Wow, you're part of God's government. Amazing. That's an amazing statement. I mean, push it a little further here. Do you, do you ever realize there is no such thing as national church leaders? Isn't that a wild statement? That is not a biblical mindset. For some people, I dropped a bomb on them. 
There are no national church leaders. That is a denominational mindset. It's a product of men. It's not a biblical truth. It's a democracy mindset. Really good guy in the 1700s. Have you ever heard of him? Jonathan Edwards, uh, one of America's first theologians. Good man. But he got a little wrong where he thought at that time, was the thinking at that time that he latched onto, that it's okay to, do, to um, merge democracy with Christianity. And therefore, the Congregational Voting Church is established. That is a mistake. It's never a democracy concept. It's a theocracy where God is at the head. And um, now, are there people that God appoints uh, with ministry on a national level to speak to us? Yes. But that doesn't make them national leaders. It means they have a ministry to encourage the local church and perhaps what the local church is not seeing nationally. But it's the local church that God makes as their, his decision makers here on the earth. Especially since the 1900s, Americans have become so dependent on national, federal government in their mindset, they've passed that right on to Christianity to find national church leaders, um, which is a really uh, a big mistake. Uh, for years, uh, they've been looking to evangelists as national leaders, absolutely not of God. Um, so, what is the biblical mindset here? It's the local church. And the best way to look at this real quickly, due to time, is in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we have James, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. And you'll see him mentioned three times, and he's looked to uh, as a final decision maker in this local church. Great scholar Dr. Bartley calls him the real leader of the Christian church in Jerusalem. What an amazing statement that is. He is the brother of Jesus, not James the Apostle. Uh, Jesus had five natural brothers and at least two sisters. Mary and Joseph were busy. And, uh, and he, this is Jesus' natural brother. And due to time this morning, let's summarize here a little bit from Acts chapter 15. Here we have a crisis that arose in the church at that time. And the question is, can a Gentile, a non-Jew, become a Christian? Because obviously they're all Jewish. Uh, so it's a big issue. In verse 6 here of chapter 15, it says, the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. So they have this big conference. Now it isn't like they went away for a conference, church don't come near. No, they did it in the midst of the people. And Peter here makes a, a speech in verses 7 through 11. He offers his view. And then after he's done speaking, in verse 12, it says, and all the people kept silent. So they're hearing this. And we're listening to Paul and Barnabas as they related all the signs and wonders that God had done th through them among the Gentiles. So now we have Paul and Barnabas thrown in their report. Then in verse 13, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, James, speaks and says, after they stopped speaking, James responded, saying, brothers, listen to me. Now look at what James says here in verse 19. Therefore, it is my judgment. They didn't take a vote. It is my judgment that we do not cause trouble for those from the Gentiles who are turning to God. He says more. And then in verse 22, he says, it says, then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders and the whole church. Look at this. The pastor of the local church is making the final decision and judgment on a very big issue, not 
the apostles. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Uh, there's been a movement in the latter 80s and 90s uh, to look at uh, prophets and apostles as church leaders. This is error. They're a ministry gift for the local church. If, past, if apostles and prophets are national leaders of a Christian nation, then why did James here, the pastor of a local church in Jerusalem, make the final decision of the book of Acts? Not Peter. He's there. And he doesn't make the final decision. He's one of the original 12. Paul was there. This guy writes half the New Testament. He's not making the final decision. Wow, the local pastor did. It's because this is God's government set up, and the final decision is from the head of the local church. Very important teaching. Very important. See, today, unfortunately, we live in America today as Christians more like the culture and tradition that we have rather than biblically. God's plan has never changed. His plan for his government and his church has never changed. The local church is God's move on the face of the earth. I mean, when you look at great revivals, if you study them that have taken place over just the last couple hundred years, they started in a local church. And from that little local church, it set the world on fire. Amazing. My, the gosh, the, the Welch revival from Evans, turn of the century, those of you who know what that is, that little local church is still there, and it's still a little local church. But from it, the entire world was touched. Wow. That always has been God's plan, that from this local body of believers, people would be touched by God and sent out by God to set the world on fire for Christ. Heavy stuff, man. So, uh, draw this to a conclusion today. Um, so if I'm part of this local body of believers, what qualities should there be in my life if I'm really accepting this, the local church? Three quick things here. First of all, we need to have a sincere commitment to Christ. If I, um, if I relate to these spiritually gifted leaders and the Lord has had me relate it to one another in this local church, then I need a sincere commitment to Christ. We need to relate in the love of Christ to one another. Because what it says is without love, we're nothing. Second point here is we need in life here in the, in the local church uh, a, a life of cooperation and obedience to these spiritually gifted leaders who are called by God to watch over and shepherd our souls. Americans do not like the word obedience. They don't like that, but that's the truth. They can see things coming in your life that you won't see and the warning that can give you to, to save your life. I remember this lady I had one time, man, she came to my office, she wanted to marry so-and-so, and I said, you do not want to marry this guy. The, oh, Pastor, he's wonderful. No, I think this is a mistake, and I don't talk to people like that. This guy is a problem. Oh, no, Pastor, you're so wrong. The Lord put us together. They were, they were divorced in six months. I was trying to save you heartache. It's very frustrating when people don't listen to a spiritual advice that you give them. And I don't talk to people like that because of, hey, it's none of my business. But this guy was a problem and she had no clue to see it. And it could have saved her so much problem if she at least took it to prayer and seek the Lord on it. Um, third point here is we have to have a determination of faithfulness and loyalty to the Lord's church. Americans really don't like the word loyalty. 
I mean, today, it's really gone. Uh, American Christians today are some of the most disloyal you ever find. It's absolutely amazing. They wouldn't tolerate disloyalty in their marriage. They wouldn't tolerate disloyalty in their parenting, yet they're disloyal to the Lord's church. Absolutely amazing. I can't tell you how many people, they want to become a member of the church. Oh, great, wonderful. Six months later, they're gone. They're attending a different church. Why in the world did you become a member here? Where is loyalty to the commitment you made, not to men, but to Christ? I don't get it. It's an American problem, a big, big American problem. And, according, and along with this, um, as I said here, faithfulness and loyalty, faithfulness is another huge missing element among American churches. They're just not faithful today. And faithfulness, the Word of God tells us God promotes faithfulness. I mean, if you're faithful, first of all, God will notice it, which is the most important. But believe me, men will notice faithfulness. And you know, uh, for all future church leaders that we would even have here, they're tested by words of faithfulness and loyalty. I don't care how many brains they have in their head. If they're faithful and loyal, God can use them. Because there are men and women you can trust, men and women you can trust with your lives, and men and women you can count on to be there. Faithfulness and loyalty are two of the most important ingredients you could ever have in a local church leader. And it doesn't have to be pastors alone. Deacons, trustees, people who run ministries. Gosh, all you ever want from people. You don't got to be a Bible scholar. Are you faithful and loyal? Boy, you're solid gold. You are solid gold if you're just faithful and loyal. So as us as believers here, one thing in our local church, what we should be striving for is, Lord, find me faithful. Lord, find me loyal. These are people that God takes notice of. And that's what we need to be in the Lord's church. So I don't want to ramble on here. Um, just words we need to personally take with us. Concepts of cooperation, obedience, faithfulness, loyalty. Uh, the local church craves men and women like these. I want to see men and women in the body of Christ that have those characteristics. And certainly we have a lot of them here at the Church of Grace and Peace. And we're very grateful to God for them. Now, Pastor Walt used to say for years, it's easy to pastor here because they're such wonderful people. Yep, they have those qualities. And those are the ones that are just, they just become precious and solid gold. And we thank God for them. Uh, let's pray. Father God, in these days ahead as we leave here, Father, may we be a people that can be found faithful. May we be a people, Father God, that can be found loyal first to you and then loyal to your church, faithful to your church. That we realize, Lord God, you have honored us to co-labor in your field, your field of the local church. Lord God, where uh, we have our gifts and abilities to grow, discover them, grow in them, and be used of you, Father God, in our generation to bear fruit that remains and is left behind long after we would be gone. That, Lord God, you would use us in our day. Father, we embrace your local church. We call it holy. We call it beautiful. We call beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. Thank you, Lord God, for the people, those parts of Christ's body that are here, that, Lord God, we would all work together, fit together, Lord God, to serve you and to see uh, the name of Christ raised up high in our day, that all men would be drawn to him. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord and amen.